No. So the boys were playing out in Bathurst and Peter Wallace um, done his ACL, bro. Mm. And then, um, like, he went off, got it checked and it tore his ACL, but he could still kind of run of it. You know, you can kind of run straight lines. And then it's how we done his cork. He's like, whoa, fuck, I might be going off. I've done the cork. He bro, I've done my ACL. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes, yeah, all right. <laughs> hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to the YKTR Sports Show. We are currently in the BSC content studio. Shout out to BSC, best subs in the game. Um, been smacking the pre-workout a little bit lately. Been getting after it. But today is the new format of the show, sort of skipper scope, come to me last week. And um, we wanted to switch things up a little bit and put a bit more focus into it. Do you want to explain a little bit more? Yeah, I felt like a few of our shows were diluted. We were, uh, we were sort of... Just spread too far out. Yeah, we? we're going all over the shop on with a few different shows. So this will narrow it down a little bit more. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about the weekend just gone and a little bit about the weekend coming up. So the weekend just gone, we're going to be talking more so about hot topics within the game and giving our opinion. First topic, number one, Gus Gould signing up to the Bulldogs. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, the Gus father, I'm, I'm calling it. Um, we had a little chat just before before we come on. It, it's uh, geez, he's, he's got his hands. He's... Gus is also renowned as one of the smartest uh, minds in, in rugby league. Um, this is obviously why he gets these. Who would be these, smarter than him, just just oh, randomly? Footy-wise? Uh, nah, I, I'm, as a whole, I reckon it's Gus, yeah, like top to bottom. My dad um, had spent a bit of time with him at Panthers uh, yep. during the time he was there looking after the house, and uh, he couldn't have spoke highly. He's, he, dad said when he starts speaking, you just listen. Bro. Like That's that's the kind of influence and um, – the, the presence that he has when he when he talks about footy. When, whenever I watch any of the Channel 9 stuff and I see Gus is talking about a, a subject. Shut I, up and listen. Yeah, I just, I just end up watching those clips because I always find them um, very interesting. Whether you dis- agree or disagree with him, um, no matter what, it's he's always got you know pretty valid points. And um, you can tell like the influence that he's had over certain clubs over the last four or five years and some other points I've got on that as well. Yeah, so Bulldogs obviously <clears> – <throat> In my opinion, they need to be one of the better teams, the more popular teams. They've got one of the best fan bases, along with South Sydney. Uh, Bronx have got a good fan base. Parramatta, they're pretty loyal as well. Newcastle. You, uh, the comp's just better when the Bulldogs are good because you either love them or you hate them. Yeah. And we, we come through that period when Sonny Bill was all the guy, Sonny Bill, Willie Mason. Man, that was so good to watch, and they sort of had the style of football that you either love them or hate them. And along – their fan base come along with it, and you sort of love and hate them as well. So, do you do you feel like, do you feel like the comb is better when the Bulldogs are better? For sure. You obviously you throw back to the to that era, the early two, early to mid two thousands with, with Sunny and even mid nineties, bro. They, they were gone. Yeah, and then yeah, the Dogs of War years, obviously. But um, I always I always remember that two thousand and nine pre- preliminary final, Parramatta versus Bulldogs mm. to go into the grand final. That was like I was I was at that game. The energy. That game for me, like I, I didn't end up going to the grand final. I've talked about that before, but um, the energy in that stadium for that game was crazy. Dogs were on a rebuild. They just had that rebuild after losing all those big stars in, in the couple of previous years. And um, when Parramatta play Bulldogs, like that is – we always talk about Homebush. Like it's a little bit awkward stadium to, to play at if, if the fan base isn't there. Yep. When those two teams are successful and going well – like there's nothing like it. It's almost like a soccer rivalry, isn't it? Mm. Where the, both fans actually really, really hate each other. Yeah, and that like the fan base is massive, and you know they're all next to each other. Obviously, it's that rivalries that we talk about. You know, the Penrith, Parramatta rivalry, Parramatta Bulldogs rivalries. Uh, it's good, you know. It's good to see you know Gus at a, at a club like that. If we're you know, I think Gus goes back. Like Gus was 
coach of the Bulldogs in the in the eighties? Was it around that time? I think he was time? a player. Or was he a player? Yeah, yeah, he's definitely a player. I'm not yep. too sure on the full history of him. Um, but yeah, I've had a little bit to do with Gus at, at Penrith, and I didn't really appreciate how good he was at the time because the thing that I liked about him the most, bro, like leaders lead, and like he's not scared to make decisions with the data he's got right now. So when you look back at Penrith, he pretty much got rid of all the boys that are on the biggest money: Michael Jennings, Luke Lewis. Yep. Um, Lachlan Coote, these boys have been signed big contracts. And he, he sort of, at the time, you're like, what are they doing? You're getting rid of origin stars right now. And then he got a bunch of guys come in, like myself, who were just kind of like plugins for this little period yep. until he got the academies set up. And if you look at Penrith now, like everyone sort of laughed about that five year plan. And like, I, he said that he's never really said it, but I, I'm not too sure about that. But you look at Penrith now, they're solid for the next. Five to six to ten depends yeah. how the development goes. So, obviously, from top to bottom, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, for sure. And in, and the influence that he's got on a number of clubs at the moment too. Now, like, that just shows that you know the strength of you know who he is as a as a leader of the game. He, he's obviously got influence at, from from his time at Penrith. He went to the the Dragons and did a review on the board, and you know I think it was a big decision getting Anthony Griffin there. Um, he's at the, he's been to the Warriors with mm. you know Peter Sullivan's the head of recruitment. He's obviously got strong ties to the Roosters. Like fuck, he's all over the NRL, man. He's too the Gus, smart, too he, smart. He's the Gus father, so um, it'll be it'll be good, it'll be good for the Bulldogs. Now he's going to the Bulldogs, obviously, and uh, we'll get to some news. He, he probably a big reason behind the new new big signing there that we'll probably get to at some point. Yeah, but. Um yeah, 100% he's behind that sort of TPJ. But, like, the thing I used to like about him, bro, so, like, you, your dad sort of spoke about the influence that he has when he walks in a room. Bro, if he walked in here, all, all everyone here would just go, like, shut the fuck up. And yeah. and once he starts talking, bro, he can he can captivate a whole room. Yeah. And a lot of it's off the cuff. Like, I reckon those origin ones are off the cuff. Like, you think about it on the way to um, – but he just knows his craft – that well from top to bottom from a player to a coach to dealing with superstars to dealing with people that are on like average players like myself all the way up to admin up to board he knows how the whole system works so I think he's good and when he when he walks into a club like one of the first things he writes down on the board he goes administrate administrators administrate coaches coach mm, you've players play yep and that's important because once you start getting players worrying about what the coach is doing, the coach is worrying about admins doing, if you don't have that flow from top to bottom, things start to get real messy pretty quick. Yeah, for sure. And that seems to be a problem that's probably infiltrated itself at the Broncos at the moment. You've yep. got a couple of – he's got Tavita Pangai, he's going to be bringing a guy like that. And I dare say the the message that he'll be given to him and, and the rest of the, the team will be pretty much like that. Do you reckon anyone at Melbourne's players telling Bellamy what to do? <laughs> Do you reckon anyone at the Roosters is telling Trent Robinson what to do? Nah, no. Nah. Do you reckon they're trying to tell Nick Politis what to do? Nah. Clubs start at the top. Like, if you've got a solid – it starts from top and moves its way down, and I think Gus is the right guy for that. A little bit shouted for the Warriors. I know he's still going to do an advisory sort of thing, but he'll set up pathways. Apparently, he's still setting up that as well. Pathways are super important. We've looked at the benefits off the back of um, – like, the Panthers are the prime example of that – but that in New Zealand has got to be really important. And when you're a kid, bro, you, all you want is an opportunity and a bit of training gear, don't it? Yeah. Like you're not you're not really chasing money when you're a little bit younger. You just want to see that there's a clear pathway for me to potentially make NRL. And a lot of their recruitment has been off the back of like sort of private school rugby guys. You think of guys like Conrad Horrell, um, a few of the boys that are in there now, like Rocco Berry and that. Yep. Like that's been their recruitment strategy. There should be a rock solid one for football, play, rugby league over there, pathway straight to Warriors, NRL. And if not, 
they disperse out. You get your Pitahukus come over, play for Manly. Um, Isaiah Papali'i at the moment, he was yeah. there once he left. Like, there should be a pathway there, bro. Yeah, for sure. And and people forget, like, during that t- that period that you talked about at the top of the show, Penrith is the dominant uh, junior rugby league system in in probably the league, like all over the world. Do you reckon it's because they're bigger because they're Islanders yeah, out there? Because we just had – there's so much talent. The, there's, there were so many teams. I don't know. You know I think Freddie came out and was talking about numbers declining a little bit. There. But, like, look, go back to 10 years ago. That was the big thing with Penrith. Like, why aren't they getting the best out of this strong junior system that are winning uh, multiple comps at, at Harold Matt's SG Ball under twenties level? Like, they're always really successful, and then it sort of didn't translate into first grade. Mm. He's obviously done that now. You look at all the talent, and you know, even with guys like Liam Martin and Isaiah Yao and all those sorts of players, although they're not born and bred Penrith, they were brought into the system really early and mm. taught you know what it's a, what it, what it means to be a part of that culture and. Uh, they're bearing the fruits of it now, Penrith. And then when you look at New Zealand, going to the New Zealand side of it now, like there's so much talent that's from New Zealand that are playing at other clubs. And if you can, and if he can get the best out of that, or making sure that he's identifying the best out of that talent and making sure that they're staying at the Warriors, who knows, like three or four years, the Warriors with, uh, you know, some, you know, still making some good signings in that time is going to be important as well, but... Bro, this has fucking just come to my head. So this is like... So back in the day, like, clubs used to be have a um, have an area and Parramatta had fucking Waikato, and that's how I signed to Parramatta. And your dad fucking... Yeah. Your dad was the first guy I had a meeting with. Yeah. Your dad and Rocket Ready come through, like, I would love to sign you to Parramatta because they had the Waikato area, and that's yeah. how, like, me, Dwan, and Rory and all those yeah. guys rocked up. I think Wella Haraki and Jack Wella, Saga before yeah. your time as well. And, yeah. like, that's that's what, how it should be. So the NRL should not only have... Um, uh, area that they look after. So each club, so Parramatta, say Waikato, I don't know, you get Melbourne Storm. Yep. Like they should be able to pick players up from there. Knights used to have Wellington. That's why Ben Mozzolini on that almost ended up there, Marvin. Yeah, okay. So that's how it used to work, but then also have that in the islands as well. So there should be clubs aligned with Fiji, clubs aligned with Tonga. You know what I mean? And then yep. just get them all together. Yeah, but like going back to the the point about New Zealand, New Zealand have got to make sure they identify all those best kids before they can't they can, get them all though. They can't. But like, they've got to. That's that'll that's what Gus will be trying to do. Just like flag them, making sure flag and making sure that the clubs are aware of these players before a Sydney Roosters come over and get a Takiyoho and all these sorts of players. Like you know, it's important because that's what he sort of did at Penrith to turn around to make sure that probably Jerome Luai and and Nathan, obviously Nathan's the. A lot of people would have noticed Nathan, and he stayed there obviously because of his dad. But yeah, some of these players that have come through the grades and Brian Tottos and all those sorts of players. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. So obviously, how long does this take to turn around? He's got a full salary cap. He's got a coach that he's got a great relationship with with Trent Barrett. Um, he actually pushes Trent towards these jobs at Manly and Bulldogs. I think that's the type of pull that you were talking about before. Yeah, how long does it take to turn around? Because he's got a decent team next year. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind the next couple of years for him. Um, it'll be important. You got Duff, Matt Dufty's also signed there as well. He's got points in him. Yeah, there's some there's some good signs for next year. We talk, I talked about it on the blog as well about you know some of the signings and they sort of hammered those those mm. key, key key areas, um, key positions. So um, I don't think it'll be that far away. Eh? Do you see them like a eight eight to twelve team next year? Or that's where I saw them this year as well. Oh, so I yeah, I've sort of jumped the gun a little bit on them. Um, they have got. Uh, a lot better talent coming in next year. So Matty yeah, Burden's a big one. That's a realistic goal for him. That that six to twelve range, considering where they're at now. Like you obviously can only go up from where they are now. Them and the Broncos. So that sort of rolls nicely into the new new signing or rumored new signing. Has this been verified? I yet? think it's been verified now. Yeah, yeah it has. But he the 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 false news was him going to Panthers for a little bit. So that's not real. 
Um, apparently, it wasn't uh, Penrith turned it down, but then now there's news coming out that James Fisher-Harris is going to go back for the birth of his kid. Yep. I've seen um, news come out for that. So if that's the case, then they might reopen talks to get um, Tavita Pangai Jr. down. But who knows? All, all that seems to be just like rumour and innuendo at the moment. So, um, How important is that signing? You look at Tavita Pangai Jr. at raw potential. Obviously, like he's always been talented, but then off the back of that World Cup where he was playing for Tonga, bro, he was special, man. And he just – a little bit of the same mould as Milford where they've got all the talent in the world, but maybe Broncos just isn't the right spot for them boys right now. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things that might have just run its course now. Like you, you talked about, um, you know, from the administration point and all that stuff, all that noise and, Draining, and, and the bro. mess, that mess, that's just messy, man. So um, even for the Broncos, it's, it might be a positive just so they can restart, like, you know, obviously and with Milford as well. But it, like, I talked about – a few of the the glaring needs that the Bulldogs needed, and for me, one of them like it was a position that they needed to identify was edge back rower with with something about him, mate. yeah, yeah. Like either and tack- he's the perfect player, either tackle breaking ability, passing ability, just just a playmaker sort of type of vibe. And they didn't really have; they've got very good back rowers, but they're kind of on the same mold, aren't they? Yeah, just tackling machines, work yeah, horses. they're work horses. Um, yeah, so. I see him like he's tight with Sonny Bill and all that, you know, Sonny Bill, yeah, Quaid, Quaid. But yep. those boys train all the time. Like those two boys don't drink. I don't know what um, TPJ is doing right now if he's in that sort of mold. But like I said, bro, he just needs a, needs a new outlook on, on football and on life. And you, you played at two clubs that are always surrounded by drama, mm. Parramatta and, and Manly, from admin down to player. Yep. There's always been a disconnect. How draining is it when you just keep hearing shit about it in the paper and stuff? Yeah, and especially when results obviously aren't going your way. When it's a little bit different – um, it's winning solves everything as well. Like that, that noise winds it up, but that's not going to happen at the Broncos for a while. And um, he's be, he's been dissatisfied. It looks there for for a while because you can see the difference. Like when when it looks like some news might be going his way, or yeah, he looked like he was moving Come on, out, or he was uh, the contract. Yeah. You can see what he's got, like the potential that he's got. But um, on the reverse effect, like you know, when it looks like he's fucking sulking a little bit and and a bit over it, you can it, you can see it in his performances, but. He's he could be he, he could easily be the buyer of the season next year easily easily. Um, so speaking of winning and losing, Tom Gilbert and crying in the sheds. This is a topic you sort of brought up. What's your thoughts on it? Should this be shown? Yeah. Um. See, I reckon it should. Yeah. yeah I actually liked it for the reason. Um. I don't think Fox League had this in mind when uh, when they were showing it. I think it was more of a clickbait thing. Um. But I like showing the like the raw emotion. You know, sometimes. Um. Uh. Fans come out and they see players smiling, laughing after games, and they and they rip into them. Some, you know, when you go into the sheds, you, you might be having a laugh with a guy that you know, but then you go into the sheds and then you, that's when you have a <laughs> have a proper think yourself. You get sprayed by the coach, and then it all sort of just sinks in. And you know, we're in an age now where uh, showing a bit of vulnerability and and showing like you know for mental health and all that that you know this is what we go through or have been through as players, and this is what the players are going through now, and it means a lot to them. So. Um, I was, I was yeah. In, in a way, I was happy to see it from Tom Gilbert. It shows me a lot about his character and, and shows you know, who, he cares. Yeah, eh? shows shows you he's he cares and who he is as a person for but me. Th- and also saying that you don't have to um, like cry to show that you care. Like yeah. you sort of talked about there. Like a lot of the times, players get caught out for losing, shaking hands, smiling, and like oh, he actually doesn't care. But like you said, losing. That next 48 hours is a, yeah. is a long 48 That's hours. It's man. But you don't really fall asleep. You know you got video coming. Your name's probably going to be up on there. That's the worst part. Yeah. <laughs> Getting sh- – Seeing the initials. <laughs> <laughs> IJ, missed tackle. 
fuck. <laughs> when, I was, when I was at Parramatta with, uh, with Hainsey and we, because we're both JH, so I used to go, beauty, hopefully it's Hainsey. <laughs> no, nah, it's me. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's like that's the ultimate accountability, man. Like you're gonna get paid out from fans no matter what. But then when you go into to like I talked about this one time before, like you know when you miss a tackle and you let in a try, and then you got to go back to that little huddle behind the mm. thing, and you're looking at the boys in your eyes, trying to like fuck, sorry boys, yeah. and then you got to do that in video as well, and everyone's looking at the video going like, oh, so what were you doing here? Yeah, and then you have to explain it in front of the boys, man. That type of accountability, like. Man, it's good. It's good for you. Like as you start to grow older, because when you make mistakes, you put your hand up and you can kind of move on with it. But people wouldn't realize that just watching from a fan perspective. Yeah, and also if the fans that were hammering Fox League on it, we're talking about like just giving their space they're in the sheds now. But like I said, just to the vulnerability of of men these days too to show that you know like you're fucking you're allowed to cry and yeah and and, and you know that Tom Gilbert he wouldn't be um, if you're looking at a teammate. There's no way that. You know, in this day and age, that you look at him going like, yeah, "Fuck, he's soft for crying" or whatever like that. No, it, no it, way it, in the world. It shows a positive side of um, where we're trending. Yeah, where we're trending. As and men. I, I feel like we're trending in the right way with these sorts of videos. Yeah, it's um, great point there, Scope. Uh, sort of rolling into this week now, Mitchy Moses, uh, the broken back of doom. Final. <laughs> <laughs> I broke my back. Yeah, so obviously, like a bit of a quick apology. We'll sort of we weren't hammering him. But we were sort of just highlighting how great Nathan Cleary is, and it was never meant to be a knock on to him. But yeah, playing Origin for broken back is pretty crazy, mate. If you give props to Nathan Cleary for doing what he did, you got to give props to Mitchell Moses for doing what he did. Yeah, uh, played with. Yeah, you know, apparently it happened ten minutes into the game. He played on. How do you do that? Like, how do you? Fuck yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> broken back. Yeah. So. um that's a little bit scary. Like it, you hear about ankles and knees, you're like, oh, but like you start hearing about back, bro. That's pretty scary. Yeah, but it even talks about like, yeah, you know, I talked about how far he'd come defensively in his game over mm. the last couple of years and how much he improved in that. And this just shows another area of his toughness that you know, for me, a couple of years ago, you probably, you know, I don't know if Mitchy lasts a full game at club level, let alone um, Origin level, but mm. he's uh he's fully matured into his his uh. His game now. Yeah, he looks very comfortable in his yeah. own skin now. Yeah. And that, that comes with time, doesn't it? Yeah, and he's uh, yeah, very confident in, um, you know, where he's at in, at his footy. And just like, that's big props, man. Like, sort of joking off the top of it, but that's un- that's an unreal effort from him. How many games you played it for Broken Back will be first call in the pub every time, eh? That's yeah. what I'll be saying. Anyway. <laughs> you what played it for Broken Back? <laughs> have you heard that cork story about Sowie? <laughs> <laughs> no. So the boys are playing out in Bathurst. And Peter Wallace um, done his ACL, bro. Mm. And then, um, like, he went off, got it checked, and it tore his ACL. But he could still kind of run of it. You know, he can kind of run straight lines. And then Sally done his cork. He's like, whoa, fuck, I might be going off. I've done the cork. He said, bro, I've done my ACL. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sally goes, yeah, all right. <laughs> um, but Parramatta, Premiership hopes, does this – do you know, I watched them on the weekend. They look, they look, still look pretty good. Obviously not as good as Mitchell Moses. But the thing I like about it – the king, tracker, King yeah. Guffer at the back. He gets more touches and I don't know, bro. He's so silky to watch. I love watching him play. Bro, whenever um, Dill Brown's out for uh, – or, or Mitch Moses, the other one ends up stepping up and Gutho pl- definitely plays his best footy. Like Guth- King Gutho's um, always around the ball a little bit more. He's a little bit more energetic. He's always energetic, but like those don't always revert to touches Yeah, for him. Like, But when when the other guy's out, you you got a guy like Jacob Arthur that comes in, steps in, who's who's just going to more direct the team around, give some early ball or, or Will a, Smith. I heard a commentator say this as well. They said like when Luke Brooks and Mitch Moses grown playing together, they always played better without the other one. Mm. And then uh, Mitch Moses is there with uh, 
they always play better without the other one as well. Yeah, okay. That's pretty interesting, is it? Yeah, Dill Brown had a really good game on the weekend as well. Heck out of doom too. Yeah, great. He showed some love for my haircut as well, which means a lot coming from a guy <laughs> with that sort of chop. So, um, yeah, grateful for, for Dill Bags. But, yeah, Parramatta, obviously we don't know how long he's out for. Mitch Moses, um, it's quite a broad, like broke his back, you know what I mean? There's so many variations off, off the back of that that can happen, so – I don't see Parramatta going too far, but it definitely hurts him. Yeah, I have Parramatta and major and major semi Parramatta and South in that in that four spot. We've talked about it a lot. Melbourne and Penrith are the teams to beat. If anyone's going to give them a bit of drama, I think Manly will be the team that can cause them some wezzes at full strength. And then there's next Para and Rabbitohs, and this makes it a little bit harder. This probably pushes Rabbitohs up for me. Hundred percent. Ah, Pappy back from Melbourne, pretty scary. Nelson Osofa-Solomona comes back as well. How does this play out? Obviously, you've got Nico Hines, probably the informed player of – one of the informed players of the comp right now behind Tommy Turbo and those guys. But how do you see it going? Yeah, it'll be interesting. Munster's out. Munster's out. Yeah. Rested. It'll be interesting to see if uh, Nico Hines if – they, if, if they play as if they're, they're lined up at the moment. Cooper Drons at six, Nico Hines at fullback. I think Nico Hines might play six and then Pappy goes fullback, but who knows. Um but if, if Nico Hines keeps playing this way, does Pappy stay on the bench for an extended period of time until um, waiting for an opportunity? You know, I know Craig Bellamy sort of like that sort of he, – he'd remind me of that sort of coach that would – if the team's going well, why change it? You know, they're, yeah. they're, they're flowing. But um, it'll be interesting to see how the next couple of weeks because we've got a really big period coming up. Um, this should beat the Cowboys on the weekend and then like we've talked about before – uh, Penrith and uh, Manly coming up in the coming weeks. So obviously, I, I follow your opinion here. I think Nico Hines moves into where Munster would play. Um, how do you think he transitions into five eight? You look at someone like Kalen Ponga, who started started at fullback, wanted to play five eight, didn't quite like. I don't think it's not as easy of a transition as people think it is going from fullback to five eight. Yeah, but we talked about it on our shape. All those plays are interchangeable. Like Jerome Hughes, if he plays five eight halfback fullback, he's going to do a job. Nico's going to do the same. You add, Pappy, you add on twenty tackles into your workload, though. That's a little bit different. But like that's it's ingrained in a man. Like, yeah, this is the Melbourne Storm system. This is what makes them so great. Like it, they don't skip a beat. You like, back in Newcastle, are you? Uh, you know, <laughs> but like even Pappy, if Pappy has to come on and play lock for a or he's done it or before, hooker for he? a certain, yeah. he'll come on and do a job at that. Like that's just who they are. That's the that's their club. So um, I've got no dramas at all. Whether Nico stays at fullback or goes in a six, he's going to play well. Pick your poison when obviously this game's going to happen. You're probably going to win. You roll four five weeks from now. Everyone's healthy. Do you have Grant and Cheese at the fourteen or Pappy or Nico? Pappy or Nico? I reckon Pappenhausen gets back to fullback. And then you got that 14 jersey. Do you bring Nico on or do you have Harry Grant or Cheese? So Cheese will be – one of those boys are going to be there? Yeah, so they'll just do what they did last year. Remember how they had Cam Smith and they had Nico Hines and Cheese on the bench? And so Cheese can cover the middle as yeah, well? Yeah, So, um, But then you get a little bit smaller, but then you've got no, I Nelson still, and I still reckon I still reckon they'll reward Cheese for his form this year. He'll Grant stay will come off the bench. Harry will play 14. If Nico or Pappy, they will go to the bench because yeah. you can move Cheese into lock or front row. You know what I mean? So you get rid of that third uh, middle or, yeah. or forward on the bench and then that way they've got the complement of like – they're covered across the – because cheese is, versus, cheese is the key. Cheese's versatility to be able to play hooker, uh, front row mm. at a high level. Mm. Like he played stud for, for him in the front row last year. But he was lock. he was five kickers over. He's shredded now, the kid. Yeah, the mozzarella cheese. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he's he's the key for the whole rotation, mate. He makes them so versatile and, uh, and then obviously – They'll carry that, or, or, or like if you're worried about one of them missing out, I don't think any of them miss out on their best seventeen. Mm. Nico Hines, Pappy will be 
fullback if they're not, then they'll be on the bench. They'll be seven, number 17. Worst case scenario, Nico Hines goes to 18 and Yedin Hood GF and months get knocked out. Yeah. Like you just <laughs> roll straight on and yeah, they're set. you win a comp anyway. Yeah, they're set. Gun to your head, do Melbourne need to drop a game before they roll into the finals? Nah, not at all. They, I think it was important that they lost early start, early start of the year. If they were on that sort of Penrith Panthers streak, if they hadn't lost, because they could have won both those games, man, Parramatta and Penrith, but both those teams are top four teams. Mm. So, um, and one of them's obviously their biggest uh, biggest threat. So, um, it doesn't matter. Going if they if they go perfect all the way through, that won't bother them at all. Fuck, they're a good club, Melbourne. Uh, so the Manly boys starting to get man. They're they're plodding along nicely, aren't they? Your little boys from from across the beaches. Yeah, this looks like their best 17 too that I've seen in a minute. Um, everyone, uh, they've had the full complement of sort of this team, but now with the way and the form that Dylan Walker brings off the bench for him in that four-team role um, with some games under his belt, it's like from top to bottom, this looks like they're, they're, they're fully nice straight. Yeah, yeah. Fully straight. I think they've um, – who is it? Curtis Sirenen is probably the only one that would have been part of their best 17 that's not a part of it at the moment. But he, those boys have gone past them yeah. now, I reckon. Yeah. Olakowatu and Schuster. Yeah, we're about to do a potty. Shout out to those boys as well. We're going to do a potty on Friday with those two boys. Did a did a blog at the start of the year, the Bird Gang back rowers. What's Olakowatu giving you, you reckon? Yeah, he's, he seems pretty Humble. keen. He's, he seems pretty keen. So I'll send him through a few of the questions so they can prepare a little bit, <laughs> the boys, and uh, just, you know, talk up their uh, – um, just talk about their progression throughout the year, which has been, you know, I said in the blog, for, the, for me, that they're probably the informed back row- when they're both playing together, they're probably the informed back rowers of the comp at the moment. First ever hot take, do you want to hear it? Go on. Penrith don't make the grand final? Ooh. <laughs> I don't normally do I think I'm going to be hanging around Jackson like a little <laughs> bit too much. And roll with me here. Who's the best player in the comp right now? Tommy Turbo? Turbo. 2009, who was the best player? Jared Hayne. 2012, who was the best player? Ben Barber. Who'd they both play in the final? Melbourne Storm. Who won? Melbourne Storm. I think I'll have a little storyline. I think when I look at Penrith, they're starting to get like a little bit of niggling injuries. Got Toto. When, when, when I lined up the Manly Ford Pack against the Penrith Ford Pack, some of them might not be as good. So you got Marty Paseka, Schuster, Olakowatu, and Jakey against the Penrith. If they're not like, Viliam and Kikau's ceiling's probably a little bit higher than most of the boys, yeah. but form kind of levels them out. Man, I think they match up pretty nicely, and they don't have a Tommy Turbo. they got Nathan Cleary. Chess can balance them out. Fozzie's going to do his thing against Jerome Luai. Yep. Like, they've been those young guys that have come through as well. But then, obviously, Tommy Turbo trumps everyone. You don't have to convince me, baby. <laughs> hey, and I've got some jam for you. Point. We haven't spoken about this, too, so – uh, everyone knows I do my best work with futures, right? Yeah, and you're loaded up on it. And I've been looking around. I've been looking for value. I'm always looking for value. Always I'm going through the odds. Manly are currently $13 to win the comp, which mm. is a nice bet. 13s is about right for me. You know, like they need to be fully fit to for me to contend against yeah, Penrith agree, and, agree. and Melbourne. Like they're this 17, if they go against Penrith and um, Melbourne come finals time, I like them, but – if you dig a little bit deeper, <laughs> if you dig a little bit deeper and you go have a look at the Clive Churchill odds, you can currently get Turbo for twenty three dollars. Oh wow, twenty three dollars! That gives you an extra ten dollars. Bro, he can get it on the losing side too. He's that good. If if Manly are going to win the comp, if, respects to our good mates Daly Cherry Evans, Kieran Fraun, and all the boys, Turbo is going to be the reason they win. So if you're going to have a play at them at thirteens. Geez, you're going to have a little bit on fucking Tommy Turbo right now at 23. <laughs> Let's roll back to 2009. What did Melbourne do to Jared Hayne? Yeah. <laughs> but, like, this is what we've talked about before, bro. How do you stop Turbo? 
Uh, I don't know. They would have said the same question in 2009 with Bar and 2012 with Barbara and Hainsey. Like, how the fuck do you stop Hainsey? They but find the, a way. But the difference between them two. Ballyag's doing video right now on Tommy Turbo for the GF. Oh, like, I'm not doubting. Like, I'm just asking it from me not being the GOAT coach of all time because <laughs> I'm trying to, like, you know. But the difference between uh, Hainsey and Benny Barber is they generally did their best work in, like, good ball. Like, uh, they'd pop up at crucial parts of, like, plays. Turbo takes hit ups. Once he sees like, he Hainsy does. Could have he does. He, yeah, but he was he wasn't fit enough. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's not on. He's not on Turbo's fitness level. Agree. So Turbo is popping up all. Over. Turbo will take a carry out of yardage, like ten off their line, and skittle like two or three people, get them on the front foot, and still be in, be at the end of the shape when it comes into good ball. That's mm. the difference between Turbo compared to Benny, and that's why I said for me, Turbo surpassed Hainsy probably a couple of weeks ago when I was watching him play. Like he's at a different level than. Than anyone I've ever seen before. And respectfully to the halves that played in 09 and 12, I exactly. think Chez and Foz are probably that little yeah, little yeah, notch above. Across Anderson. the board, mate. Across the board, like, you know, with the, the working class centres, the pool cleaner, Morgan Harper and, and Caltex, uh, Brad Parker, like. Man, bang for buck. Yeah. They're good. Yeah. And, like, we'll, we'll always hit this scope whenever, whenever you win a comp. You want your – Guys that are paid a little bit less, playing at it like above rate. So Shusta, I don't know what he's on, but he's probably worth a little bit more than he's getting paid. Yep. Or Kawatu, prime example. I think he just got an what's upgrade. The, what's the goal of Manasi Fainu? Like, imagine if he's in there, bro. There, there. Uh, yeah. I, he's. I understand he's back before the end of the year. He's oh he's shit. This year. We're so on. I, I can't confirm when, but yeah, he's playing this year. Yeah, Bird Game. Oh, well, make sure we don't release this for. Two. I've got to go put some funds into the fucking down. Make sure <laughs> <laughs> I'm loading on. Give, just give me a couple of hours, please, Jacko. Yeah, I'm might, I might even follow you. Hey, <laughs> get on it. I don't like features though. It takes too long. All right, so that's a wrap on the show. Anything else you got? No. All right, All good. good. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Like, comment, and subscribe.